The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Welcome to today's Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Goller, and delighted to be with you today. I had planned today to speak with Jennifer Town, a researcher at the Wetherill Institute of Molecular Medicine, Oxford University in the United Kingdom. We were about to uh, speak on the subject of antibodies and biomarkers in one of the very difficult-to-treat cancers, Ewing sarcoma. And that's a primary bone cancer that affects mainly children and adolescents. Jennifer currently works in the field of biomarker discovery, and along with her team, they focus on the development of antibody-based therapeutics for treatment and diagnosis of sarcoma. So due to some time zone issues, Jennifer could not join us today, but she will be with us sometime in the next two weeks as a special guest on Navigating the Cancer Maze. So if you know anyone who's dealing with Ewing sarcoma, uh, please give them the information and get them to check into Voice America here on the page for Navigating the Cancer Maze. Uh, You can also check on my blog, um, gracegallermedia.com, where I often list up-and-coming programs. I mention this one primarily because it is a difficult-to-treat cancer. It has uh, presented a lot of challenges um, to both patients, families, and researchers and clinicians over the years. So an important one not to miss. Um, Also coming up on the show, we are going to have some interesting immunological um, dialogues with people doing research on the timing of treatments, the timings of chemotherapy, and as well, we'll have someone from Carers Australia who's going to uh, have some good messages out there for the carers. Lots coming up, and of course, Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October, and we've got some fabulous guests who will be talking with you about breast cancer. So today, um, I decided, uh, based on a number of the inquiries that have been coming into the practice over the last few weeks, uh, that we would actually have a look at how to safely integrate botanical medicine into your cancer treatment and prevention program. So based on what's more than um, three decades now of experience uh, with research, qualification in plant medicines and nutrition to help cancer patients, 
I'd like to share with you today some of the critical aspects for any cancer patient to know when using plant-based medicines, both during treatment and outside treatment. Many studies have highlighted a reduction of cancer risk by consuming macronutrients, which are our carbohydrates, proteins, fats, fibres, but there are also specific nutrients contained in foods. These we call micronutrients, and they're what we know as vitamins, minerals, trace elements, just uh, uh, probably the main three there. But plants contain many more things than that. Plants contain many chemical substances that may help prevent cancer. And some of these are effective adjuncts also in treating cancer. And these are called uh, phytochemicals, plant chemicals. So using a health intelligence approach today, I thought I'd share my medicinal plant knowledge with you to help you navigate the cancer maze. We're going to look at this first up in a moment by looking at some of the nutritional aspects because we'll use one thing to actually um, explore which will provide you then with uh, a process, a thought process for going on and doing your own discovery and research. Um, I hope you'll discover why you should add some cancer preventive foods to your family's diet and also um, how the preparation of those foods can make a difference to their nutritive and uh, phytochemical value as well. Of course, once again, you'll find resources to today's show on my blog, gracegawlermedia.com and remember you can download the show on iTunes as well and forward it on to someone you love who's dealing with cancer and perhaps very confused over this food issue. I think food and supplements is one of the very big confusing uh, areas for cancer patients to have to deal with and it's, uh, it's a very stressful area for them to have to deal with too. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, I'd ask you the question actually, do you feel confused? What can you eat? What should you eat? What shouldn't you eat? These are the big three. I'd also add to that, do you know how to adapt your food and your nutrition if you've had cancer of your digestive system? For example, this week I had a lady in the practice with very extensive ovarian cancer. She's very early in diagnosis. She's had a lot of um, bloating and discomfort for some time. And um, this gas causing more inflammation, causing more pain, causing acceleration and the need for uh, pain medication actually um, has been better managed by just allowing her to uh, think about some of the foods that she's eating. And a recent comment um, with uh, her was her husband said, oh, yes, I fed her Brussels sprouts, only two, but she was in pain for the next day or two after eating them. And that gives us a clue as to what works for you and what does not work for you. Things that you ate before you were a patient, you may not be able to eat now. And particularly if you have any disease that's very active in the digestive tract, um, gas and bloating, very, very big problems for the cancer patient to combat. So uh, this particular lady has uh, gone away on a very simple diet and uh, already it's actually showing 
uh, a good deal of success in her comfort and in the drop of her pain management medication. So it's a pretty simple rule of thumb. If you do have um, gut pain and you've got cancer, I'm not saying uh, don't go off and have it medically checked, but if you have had it checked and it seems to continue, look in the area of what you're eating and what you are doing with what you're eating. It may not be digesting well and um, you could try going on a very, very simple diet. Now, there's a lot of foods that contain the phytochemicals and that are nutrient-dense, and I'll be listing some of those on the blog for you too uh, too long to go um, today in doing that in the radio show but I'll be giving you some tables of foods on the blog gracecallermedia.com where you can actually look at the foods that produce more gas and the foods that produce less even more importantly if you have had surgery for cancer of your gastrointestinal tract and that's anywhere so if you've got some of your uh, small intestine removed you've lost your gallbladder um, sometimes that's both uh, you've lost your large colon all of these surface areas in the body are actually exquisitely designed to do a particular job and when you don't have them anymore or when you don't have the organ anymore um, it can create quite a difference in uh, processing what you eat so it's another area where um, I specifically help patients in fact I learned a lot about this through my own issues with uh, having a paralyzed colon after a surgery and then having so much of it removed and uh, I was very very uh, I suppose understanding and appreciative of what many of my patients had been through who had had uh, similar issues through to uh, cancer and having parts of their digestive tract removed. So it's a very specialised area. Uh, people can write to me if you are in that situation and you wish to be pointed in the right direction. Actually, there's a number of excellent professional websites around that can help you in this area too. And I'll be happy to provide those to you. As you know, we um, sponsor the show as the charity, the Grace Gawler Institute, and I provide that information free of charge to cancer patients who need to get a bit of direction on how to navigate the cancer maze. So uh, as we've talked about, one of the biggest digestive enemies of the cancer patient are foods that don't break down well and create excess gas and pain. And of course, if that's happening, often these foods don't absorb well. So you can be eating a quite nutrient-dense diet, lots of phytochemicals in there, and actually still have malabsorption because most of it will be um, going down the loo, as we say. You may not know that the human body anyway produces one to four pints of gas per day from food. I was very surprised when I discovered this many years ago. Um, so that gas comes from food, from drink, from ingested air. Um, it's basically considered a normal part of life, but you'd rather be on the one pint um, end of that because when we do get gas we know when a baby has colic and gets gas that it's very very unpleasant indeed and they let us know about it in no uncertain terms um, when we're ill as I said before we may not be able to eat some of the foods that we've eaten previously and that can be related to either chemotherapy or perhaps radiation therapy 
um, or just that you are not digesting in the way that you should be. And this is another aspect of where stress can come into this too because when you're um, undergoing these treatments and you're undergoing the diagnosis, stress elevates um, wouldn't be normal if it didn't, but stress really can impact our ability to digest our food well. Um, so another little tip here is when you are eating your foods, to be in as a stress-free environment as possible. And that includes conversations at the table. Um, sometimes it's even better to eat separately from the children, cook the children's meal, have your meal in peace and quiet and centeredness so that you know, your digestive system can also be in that space. Um, it's just a very simple tip, but it does actually work very well. It's been said that cancer is a disease that begins with some kind of inflammatory process. We've talked about this a lot on the show. There's even books that are entitled uh, Inflammation, you know, as the cause of cancer. And a lot of inflammation can go on in our digestive system. So it may be that by reducing inflammation via our dietary intake and also via a few of the supplements that are available today, that you can make a positive contribution towards your recovery. Um, making your health restoration plan is a good idea. If you've just been eating willy-nilly here and there, um, using this diet, that diet, putting it all together and finding it to be ineffective, do so, take some time out after today's program and just list a number of the foods that you are eating. List the foods that you like. List the foods that don't agree with you but you still like. Um, and it's even not a bad idea to do the wish list of the foods that you wish you could eat um, and look at then why that might not be a good idea right now to overindulge in some of those foods. So often I've seen people with a really, really high, high-quality diet, one would think, the best nutrient-dense diet in the world. In the practice, we see vegans of long-term, 20, 30 years. We see people who are vegetarians, people who are meat-eaters, people who have felt they've eaten the balanced diet and lived, diet very, lived their lives very well and their diet's excellent. Um, it doesn't seem to make a very big impact these days. I think diet increases our host resistance and it can increase our well-being. But we're in a time where it may not necessarily be totally uh, proactive towards keeping us cancer-free. doesn't mean to say we don't do the best with uh, the best uh, diet and, and the best supplements and the best lifestyle, but we see a number of people who think that they are failures because something they didn't do right caused this cancer. And I think the thing with our 20th century and our 21st century living is that we've been exposed to many more things than our bodies have been exposed to and our immune systems have been exposed to before. And um, I think this has definitely made an impact on the way our bodies respond and the cancer levels and other sorts of disease levels that we see. So all of that gives a very good starting point for today's show. Um, we're going to take a break shortly and we're going to come back and we're going to look at the foods and the supplements that are the culprits and as I said previously, we're going to take one particular family of vegetables, tease that apart, look at 
the the structures of those things it's actually something that patients who have cancer do a lot and that is the greens the the brassica family or they're also called the cruciferous vegetables we find them in diets we find them in supplements and we also find they can do good things but when handled the wrong way also do not such good things knowledge is a powerful tool so we'll be back shortly on navigating the cancer maze talking about phytochemicals uh, nutrient dense diet and what your body can do and how you can implement some nice little strategies to help you navigate the complex cancer maze don't go away your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to the show today. I'm Grace Gawler and you are listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze and today we are talking about foods, phytonutrients, what you can do. Now before the break um, we were talking about the main culprits and I mentioned the cruciferous family of vegetables or the brassica family of plants. We know them as kind of both, but overall, cruciferous family of vegetables. If you're not a gardener and you're not familiar with this name, basically, uh, to name a few of these, cabbage, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, uh, some of the cress family, bok choy, broccolini, Brussels sprouts, similar leafy green vegetables. Interestingly, horseradish is also a member of this family. Now, everyone thinks, oh, wow, this is amazing stuff. Yes, green vegetables. The number of people that have been through my practice over the years that have had gardens, that have spent a fortune on green vegetables, that have juiced and juiced and juiced, thinking that more is better. And actually, as we go through today, we'll discover that actually less is more. These uh, family of vegetables do have... Uh, a great nutrient-dense value. They're high in vitamin C, for instance. Um, They have soluble fiber. The nutrient value, the vitamins, the minerals, 
um, are really high and also the phytochemical that is the plant chemical um, these are very different so we have the nutrients and then from the nutrients and those nutrients are macronutrients so you have your proteins your carbs your fats your fibers then you have your micronutrients and these are your vitamins your minerals and your trace elements and then you have your phytochemicals and phytochemicals are not a nutrient but they're actually in the package of the plant um, I started my herbal medicine studies back in 1979 and it has been one of the most fascinating studies to actually study the chemical composition of plants and to look at these phytochemicals. A lot of them you will find in your supplements. Um, so they're a little bit different to your vitamins and your minerals. And there's so much science around today on what these phytochemicals can do for you. But first of all, um, let's have a look at some of the, the good news from some of these uh, substances, and particularly the cruciferous family of vegetables. Now, some of you um, may eat Japanese food, and you may be aware of something called wasabi. It's made from horseradish. And this is one of the really good guys, very helpful for digestion for some people. Again, it's one of the things you can try. Uh, if you think of the, the basic uh, Japanese diet, uh, they have the pickles and the horseradish at the beginning to stimulate the stomach acid to take care of digesting the food. And those little pickles can be actually a very, very important part of the whole digestibility of the meal. The horseradish often takes care of the stomach acid. So you produce more stomach acid, you break the food down better. It's a very good system of eating. So wasabi um, actually contains one of these phytochemicals, or several of them actually, but there's some important ones. And they're called isothiocyanates. Um, they're one of the important factors in the action of wasabi against Helicobacter pylori. So we all know that that is a bug that lives in the stomach, causes stomach ulcers and also causes cancer. So by having horseradish in your diet um, in small amounts may be a very good preventative or may take care of Helicobacter pylori. The uh, other plant chemical is sulforaphane demonstrates highly anti-inflammatory effects on Helicobacter pylori infected gastric mucosa and this has been um, researched very well in mice and in human subjects. There's, there's just one, one plant and just a few uh, components of a plant that can have a big impact. Now uh, I've spoken quite often here about the less is more um, we know that uh, Japan and uh, some other areas close to it do have a high incidence of stomach cancer and all phytochemicals can be overused. It's really important to know that. So tiny amounts um, considered to be very healthy, tiny amounts often too large amount and you often create the same um, problem that you were trying to treat in that part of the body so it's a bit like a small amount of wasabi could be great too much wasabi could create the opposite reaction in the stomach and um, provide you with a stomach acid issue 
That rule of thumb, um, it's called the Aunt Schultz Law of Pharmacy, and it's it's a very old uh, uh, law of pharmacy. It seems to hold true for all things, and this is why I think a middle-of-the-road pathway for anyone dealing with cancer is really very helpful indeed. Uh, When we go to looking at the um, cruciferous family of vegetables, we all think that more is better. And some of my patients who have been juicing wheelbarrow loads per day of kale and all sorts of other greens have actually found that it's disturbed their metabolism grossly. And we'll talk more about that as we go along. But the positive thing from the wasabi is it does a really good job as one of the cruciferous group. So... Cruciferous vegetables contain another substance, it's called glucosinolates, which are in turn then converted into a number of chemicals. And the chemicals that they're converted into, again, they're phytochemicals, plant chemicals, may have a lot of anti-cancer properties. Um, We're looking, for example, DIM in brassica vegetables. Um, that's an androgen receptor antagonist. In other words, it's an anti-androgen and it's anti-proliferative, that's very hard to say, um, in human prostate cancer cells. Um, We know that when people consume cruciferous vegetables as a part of their normal diet, and that's not to say the excess use, this is the, the usual use of Um, the five veg and so forth each day, that that does correlate with lower cancer rates so that there may be a chemopreventative element here by ingesting the phytochemicals as a normal part of diet. Now, it might not be the be-all and end-all with the challenges that we have today, but it's certainly the best tool that we have. So if you're interested in nutrition, it's worthwhile taking a look at these different families of vegetables and what they do. But for the purpose today, let's um, continue with having a closer look here at the cruciferous vegetable family. Uh, One of the really well-known ones for many patients and many of my breast cancer patients is indole 3 carbonyl and um, that's often abbreviated as I3C. That um, also affects estrogen along with the DIM that um, is produced from these uh, uh, cruciferous vegetables. Uh, This affects estrogen metabolism and it can lead to favorable shifts in hormone markers which may in turn reduce the incidence of several types of cancer. Now, again, it's looking at that particular plant chemical. It doesn't mean that you, if you eat all your steamed broccoli and uh, boiled cabbage, etc., that you're going to be cancer-free. But I do think what this does is it increases our host resistance so that if you do get cancer, if you're eating well, if you have a good lifestyle, you are far, far more likely to get through the cancer um, by using some good conventional treatments, some good dietary um, assistance as things change and um, very good medicine indeed. Uh, I think the partnership with the complementary, um, the smart medicine And, of course, as we always say on the show, a touch of the psychology in there does not go astray either. Um, They've also had positive results against leukaemia with indole-3-carbonyl. They... uh 
The cruciferous vegetables, they contain a number of compounds. There's a lot in preliminary research for potential liver protective properties. So there's another good one to put under the belt, protecting the liver. The liver is the organ of the body that has such a hard, hard job to do. It replicates itself approximately every six weeks. We have a new liver. It has a lifetime of challenges in the environment that we live in. So anything that is a liver protection um, phytochemical is certainly worth ingesting. Another good thing is that the uh, cruciferous vegetable family may induce glutathione transferase and um, glutathione is one of the um, really good energy boosters that's um, transducted, if you like, through the liver. You might have heard of uh, glutathione as a supplement. If you have a glutathione as the raw glutathione does not work, it's the molecules too large to pass through the gut. But you can get many supplements. Uh, Max GXL is one worth looking at. It's one of the few supplements that I take personally to help you with the manufacture of glutathione um, through the liver. It's also got a few other things in it, St. Mary's thistle um, and cordyceps cinesis, which is a Chinese medicine. It's a very nice product, and it actually does help with the energy that creates the peristalsis that's been so damaged for me. And um, the cruciferous vegetables, of course, help with that. But I cannot eat cruciferous vegetables. So I have a, um, an issue there, don't I, as many as my clients do. Um, because I'm missing five feet of large colon, five feet of small, I produce a tremendous amount of gas using cruciferous vegetables in my diet. So I have to be clever and do a few other things, which we'll get onto in uh, the next uh, session of the show. So look, it all sounds wonderful and amazing when we start to pull apart some of these foods and see what's in them. And patients do spend a fortune these days on foods. I have patients who say my fruit and vegetable bill is, you know, hundreds of dollars every week because I'm just juicing and and eating veggies all the time. Um, Yes, and taking supplements as well that contain cruciferous vegetables, but they're still seeing little results from that. So what's going on? We'll come back. We've finished our second session already today. We'll come back and have a look at what's going on after the break. Don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. 
We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to the show. I'm Grace Gawler, your host for Navigating the Cancer Maze, which is brought to you by the Grace Gawler Institute for Integrated Cancer Solutions. We're based in Gold Coast in Australia, and we have a worldwide reach, particularly through this show, Navigating the Cancer Maze. Now, we're coming back to talk about um, the cruciferous vegetable family and the correlation with low cancer rates. <clears throat> now, we know that the indole carbonyls affect estrogen. We've talked about some of the really good things involved, um, the detoxification process. Um, and interestingly, the cruciferous vegetable family, we didn't mention this before the break, um, is involved in uh, the chemicals, the phytochemicals are involved in detoxification of carcinogens such as aflatoxin. And aflatoxin is a mould. You find it on peanuts, cashew nuts, uh, can be found on corn that's grown in areas where there's high humidity. And it's very, very uh, potent as a liver toxin. And there's very, very few things, in fact, that will uh, treat aflatoxin. But prevention can be, apparently, uh, with the use of cruciferous vegetables. It actually helps in the process of detoxing that particular substance. So here's the info at the best that we know it. We know that the chemicals contained in cruciferous vegetables, these phytochemicals, induce the expression of a liver enzyme, and that enzyme is called CYP1A2. But in doing that, the consumption or a high consumption of cruciferous vegetables may actually increase the bioavailability and half-life of some drugs. So this becomes very important for cancer patients who are taking high-dose um, supplements, uh, very concentrated supplements of these substances, the natural phytochemicals, if you are also taking some drugs and some chemotherapy drugs. Um, one of the popular things, just uh, as a little sidetrack from here, is coffee enemas. Now, we know that if you're having treatment for breast cancer and you're uh, doing coffee enemas through another enzyme pathway, you are likely to be excreting some of your uh, tamoxifen and perhaps your other chemicals that you're being given to actually fight your cancer. So it's complex, and this is why we say get some professional help from people who study this area and know best how to help cancer patients. And uh, find people who take a scientific approach to this. Um, there's so many myths around. In fact, we've just been creating this week a, a How to Identify the Myths page on one of our websites because so many people um, try these things and waste their time and their energy and their money on diets, ideologies and things that are not going to work for them. And in other words, it's a one-size-fits-all approach. So um, getting back to the uh, cruciferous vegetables, it, 
It can also, in large amounts, increase uh, potential for allergies. Certainly can act with drugs like warfarin. And here's this principle, again, that we talked about in the last session, where less is more. Because a thing called genotoxicity um, can occur with too many cruciferous vegetables. And this is this too much or too little uh, again. Now, genotoxicity actually describes the property of chemical agents, that word, um, describes the property of chemical agents that damage the genetic information within a cell, causing a mutation, which can lead to cancer. So here it is. We have a substance that, uh, or substances as the phytochemicals in the cruciferous vegetables, so many great properties in small amounts, are going to be very, very helpful to you. In a too large amount, are likely to not be very helpful at all. So if you have a look on the internet at the number of people uh, recommending green juices, um, uh, minerals, green juices, uh, seaweed extracts, and high cruciferous vegetable uh, juicing, it's creating a great deal of havoc in the body and the metabolism for cancer patients. And this week I had a number of people bring in their supplements and the milligrams that were in, if you want to take a look at the supplements, if you've got green powders and so forth, take a look at the number of milligrams and add it up and cross-reference it with all the other things that you're taking. And you might be very surprised at the very high intake of some of these phytochemicals that you're actually having. And I believe that the phytochemicals are in there to be like a, a quick punch, a small amount that's going to do a large amount in the body, but too large amount, you're going to get a problem. It's uh, something that I think has mainly come out of the studies in herbal medicine because, of course, what is herbal medicine? Herbal medicine is phyto. Um, it's coming from the plant and it's a phytochemical. So it's not so much of the nutrient or the vitamin or the mineral. It's a phytochemical that is there to treat a certain illness. And that's where the basis of herbal medicine has, has come from. Um, one of the issues also for too much of the cruciferous vegetable is goiter or other problems uh, that are associated with the thyroid. So uh, we know that cruciferous vegetables can be potentially goitrogenic, and that's another strange and funny word to say. Um, the vegetables contain enzymes, actually, to be quite simple about this, that interfere with the formation of the thyroid hormone. And um, in people with an iodine deficiency, this can be really disastrous. So it's another caution about how much you take. Um, small is beautiful. We know, uh, I certainly know from when I was uh, breastfeeding, I've had four children breastfed them all, and I know when I was doing that, that I could also not eat many of the cruciferous vegetables, particularly broccoli and cabbage, uh, because they would come through the breast milk. And um, we know that this gives babies colic, and it's commonly known that the brassica species um, is very well known for doing that. So you can see that what you're actually ingesting can be tracked into the milk. 
and uh, that tells us something too. So I hope at the end of this that you're not really even more confused because, look, food is complex, it's an intricate science, and when you're dealing with an illness or something like cancer, um, you really need to be looking at your diet in a way that's going to be beneficial to you. And I use the cruciferous family um, today uh, mainly because they have a love-hate relationship with many cancer patients. Um, now, raw juices of cruciferous vegetables in large quantities are not only loaded with the nutrients, remember they're loaded with phytochemicals. They're not tame and you must be very careful um, for reasons of toxicity and also the gases that can be produced by um, these vegetables can cause inflammation and can cause a great deal of pain. Now I know we have the raw revolution and high volumes of raw foods are actually being consumed by many, many cancer patients. But after today, do think carefully about what you're eating, what you're juicing, because the last thing you need is more discomfort, more inflammation uh, and excess gas formation from these foods, which do take quite a lot of digesting. And if your digestion is compromised, you are likely to make um, a lot of sulfur molecules from this particular family and have very, very um, uncomfortable time indeed. We mainly uh, blame the beans and the humble lentil uh, for these gas-producing effects, but uh, the cruciferous vegetables are certainly right in there. So do be careful. What you can do um, here is you can steam them. And steaming until the fork will just penetrate and go through and make it soft. That will often um, lessen the chemicals. It's a good idea to cook uh, the steam, the wok kind of style, where there isn't a lid on. Uh, because you can get the sulfur molecules reacting with water. It gives the um, the green vegetables that turgid colour, and that's actually a very weak kind of sulfuric acid that's been created in the cooking. Not, not particularly dangerous, but doesn't look attractive either. So um, cooking of the greens um, that produce the thyroid problem significantly reduces the amount of goitrogens um, in the food. So we look at some of the cultures that do that wok style of cooking. And when you have these foods also, it's not only just the gas properties or the phytonutrients, when you actually steam these foods in the appropriate way, a lot of the nutrients remember they're nutrient dense a lot of the nutrients can be better absorbed and people say oh my gosh you kill the enzymes in the food do you know what your stomach kills the enzymes in food anyway if you've ever um, uh, done any studies on stomach acid it's like battery acid and uh, it it's designed to process foods so that certain things then become available for nutrition and uh, digestion and absorption further down the track so there's a bit of a myth there in terms of enzymes in food uh, because those enzymes have to get alive through the stomach acid I guess that's one of the bigger problems too in terms of um, yogurts and why you have to have a, a yogurt or a yogurt supplement 
environment with a high, high population and the many billions of bugs so that some of that actually gets through the stomach acid. And yogurt can be a very, very good um, product to have if you are experiencing any bloated digestive problems. I think some yogurt after the meal, and even if it's one tablespoon of, of a high quality or taking a uh, yogurt supplement is going to be very beneficial indeed. I want to talk more, and we'll have to come back after the break, because I really want to talk more about the methods of uh, preserving some of these uh, cruciferous vegetables that make them a lot uh, more healthy and very digestible by you, the cancer patient, and also very convenient because you can keep these in your fridge and uh, have them from time to time. So we're going to come back shortly and uh, talk about this in our last session today of Navigating the Cancer Maze. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawler. We're here today on the maze talking about cruciferous vegetables and their inclusion in your diet, the pluses, the minuses, the using of the supplements and also the preparation uh, of the supplements. And remember, it's not only what you eat, but what you do with what you eat that uh, is the outcome. Uh, Compromised digestion will actually alter a a number of foods that you do take in. So if you're a cancer patient and you're wanting maximum nutrition, this becomes very important indeed. Um, I've always been very fascinated why in Germany we have a a group of uh, population there people they seem to smoke a lot of cigarettes they seem to have a very heavy diet Um, they seem to um, be very uh, potent with with eating meats and even some of the preserved meats and yet I was very surprised that they're way 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 down the list on one of the countries that um, have high cancer in other words they have a low cancer incidence in comparison with even Australia and uh, USA So I've often wondered what is going on there. And uh, 
I have a suspicion from looking at food from a scientific point of view, one of the inclusions in the German diet is the use of pickled vegetables and sauerkraut. And sauerkraut is pickled cabbage. There's various um, types of pickled cabbage that you can get. And if you happen to like sauerkraut, it's actually got a lot going for it in terms of its better ease of digestibility and its ability to create healthy populations of good bugs that are also associated with our immune system in the gut. So perhaps the pickling process, and I don't have any proof of this, but I suspect it can be true, that when they're actually using um, the, uh, the, the vinegar and some of the other spices that might go in there, that there's a synergistic effect here that could also release very important phytochemicals in an absorbable manner that can actually be used in the body. Um, if we look at the Chinese um, diet, we're looking at the steaming of the food. If we're looking at the Japanese diet, we're looking at the pickles um, and the wasabi before the food is eaten. It's a very, very interesting thing to look around the world at how populations have developed their eating. And even if we go to the the British diet, um, we, we had mustards and we also had horseradish, often eaten with meat. Now, how people worked these things out is a bit of a mystery, but we know that a lot of the condiments that actually go with foods or the things that foods are processed with, such as the process of pickling, can actually help um, the food's digestibility and the usability of the nutrients as well as the phytochemicals. And rather than doing a, a very elaborate juice diet, you might very well be far better off than adding in some yogurt into your diet, a good quality yogurt with good um, lactobacillus bacteria, as well as some pickled vegetables, consider some horseradish. Look around at the herbs. Herbal medicine in a culinary sense, and this is not in a direct therapeutic sense, but um, it was Hippocrates who said, let your food be your medicine and your medicine be your food. Uh, he probably could have attributed that to herbs as well. Those little condiments that you put on your food um, often have little phytochemical packages in them that actually help you digest the food. Uh, for instance, if you like to eat uh, pasta, um, look at the uh, the herbs that are used with a pasta dish. You'll have the garlic in there. You'll probably have um, uh, things like oregano, majorum, thyme. They're actually um, uh, phytochemically based plant substances that will actually help you digest the carbohydrate of the pasta and all these cultures have developed these amazing uh, uh, ways of eating and I think it's good to have a look back at that rather than adopting some of the more trendy new methods of um, having foods and supplements. So I'm very pro sauerkraut. I'm very pro the, uh, the pickled cruciferous vegetables, um, things like cauliflower and cabbage, to name a few. You can even buy some of these in your supermarket. And if you're saying, 
Oh, yes. Well, some of them have got sugars in. They've also got vinegar. And the vinegar, as we said, helps the digestive system. There's a chemical reaction in there which changes the whole substance that the, um, the foods are preserved in. Uh, one thing that can really help also, of course, and these are just a few practical tips, is eating smaller portions of the foods that are notoriously gassy for you. Um, this can help uh, reduce the amount of gas produced by the food, therefore the amount of inflammation is reduced, therefore you feel better. Uh, sodas, fruit juices. Fruit juices very high in sugar. There's so many juice bars around today, not only making the veggie juices, but various combinations of fresh fruits. If you think about it, never could you eat so many fruits in one sitting. And what you've got to be very careful of here is, again, gassing, gas and bloating um, from the breakdown or the lack of breakdown, rather, of sugars. And uh, also, uh, from a uh, diabetes point of view, even though these are natural sugars, they're giving a very, very high boost of sugar in the system. So I think um, you've got to be very cautious with those as well. I think eating fruits, <clears throat> eating the vegetables, having them as a normal part of your food with a few um, minor supplements is a far, far better way to go for the cancer patient. High fat foods in the diet, of course, uh, limiting these. They can tend to cause gas in some people. If you don't have a gallbladder um, and you're wondering why the fat's passing through and your motions in the loo look a bit strange, um, this is probably why. Over-the-counter digestive enzymes are a pretty safe bet for most people to try. There's a lot of them that have got papaya um, in them and uh, I think you'd be quite safe to experiment with some of these to see whether you can help your food to break down better. If you don't feel confident with uh, doing that, you can go to a, a health professional and have something prescribed for you. Um, I've seen just a caution with treating any bloating, thinking that you've got candida or irritable bowel syndrome. Over the years, a number of patients have said to me, oh, I've been to many, many naturopaths. I've been all through the health food stores. I can't get rid of this bloating cause it's candida, or I'm sure it is. Um, and it's actually been ovarian cancer that's been left undiagnosed for far too long. So uh, bloating can be a, a warning signal that this is coming from your food or it can be a signal that something's not quite right in there. So as always, before you do any, any big changes going on there in the body um, with food and with supplements, you really should check in with somebody uh, as a health professional and go through these things. Well, we've come to the finish of navigating the cancer maze. I'm going to put a lot of information on the blog about this particular subject today, about looking at uh, the uh, phytonutrients and the phytochemicals in foods. So do check in to grayschoolandmedia.com. Remember to have a look at our new website. This is our um, consulting group. Um, we do um, consults by Skype as well, I might say, around the world. And if you look at uh, Health Intelligence Australia, there's three words all joined together, Health Intelligence Australia. Dot com 
and you'll find out what we're doing in our practice. I practice with Dr. Bruce Whelan, who's a specialist GP, who's been a guest on this show uh, several times now, and we help people to navigate the cancer maze. We have a number of free resources that we'd be happy to send to you um, that may help you as a result of what you've heard on the show today or what you've heard on other shows. Wishing you a great week and uh, come back to listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze because we have a lot in store for you in the next few months. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.